0: Welcome to CBJN30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant.
1: Well, we've gone through one week of the regular season. Not an ideal week by any means for the Blue Jackets. Let's be honest. And three games didn't come away with a victory in any of those games. Lost in Carolina to get things started last Wednesday. Lost at home on Friday night to the Tampa Bay Lightning and then lost on Saturday in St. Louis to the Blues. Daunting schedule to start. Not just three games in four days, but three games against not just three quality opponents, three opponents that are proven playoff teams, three opponents that are looking to go straight to the Stanley Cup final. And uh, the Blue Jackets, they knew they had their work cut out for them. And just didn't get it done for many reasons that we'll cover throughout this entire show today. Some of you have already sent me your questions via Twitter at Bobby Sports. If you're live right now on Twitter Spaces with me, you can request to be a speaker, can bring you in like that. And I also have an old friend that sent a question via email today. A voice question via email. A couple of couple of email questions, but old friend that sent a uh, voicemail question. And I think I'm just going to start like that today. Because I can sit here and tell you whatever I want, but you're asking the questions. I'm going to get to it all throughout the course of the show anyway. Whatever I could sit here and say as part of a monologue to get this going is just going to be kind of a, a waste of breath. And it's going to be repetition later because you're going to ask the questions and I'm going to be saying the same things. So... Why don't I let you ask the questions? That's what it's all about here on the Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. Very simple. Uh, Like I said, before we got to the Twitter spaces, before we moved into the the next phase of the the 21st century, uh, I would let people email questions, record them on your phone, send me an email, and ask the questions. And I got one of those today from an old friend, so I'm going to let him kick off. The first question. Take the first question. Ask the first question. Be on the show first today. So here we go.
2: Hey, Bob. It's Cameron Maynard, now of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I moved from Louisiana back to West Virginia to be a sports rider just because I need to be with my family or need to be closer to my family. But still, though, it's good to talk to you again. I'm pretty busy now, but I still follow the jackets as much as I can. You know, I read the articles online, I read the stats and all that. And, and you know, trying to watch every game that I can. I plan to go to some weekend games this year because I usually have weekends off. But, um, but yeah, that's just a little, you know, background of where I'm at right now. But, you know, it's good to talk to you again. I know that we're 0-3, and I haven't really got to watch a game this year because I've been, you know, working. But tell me what you think is the biggest problem with the Jackets right now. It looks like it's going to be a long season as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I know it's only three games. You know, yeah, it's – I mean, it's still a long season, but, you know, the first three games are any indication then. It's you know probably not going to be a very fun year. But, you know, I just wanted to hear your opinion on it. And, um, you know, I'm going to root for this team like crazy, I'll go to some games, and I hope we get it together. You know, I know we played the Lightning, Hurricanes, and Blues first three games. You know, that's understandable. But, you know, I just hope we get it together. So I'd like to hear your opinion on what you think has gone wrong so far this year. As always, Bob, love listening to you, love listening to you know, your CBJ and 30 mailbags, and um, look forward to uh, hearing your insight on all this.
1: Well, Cameron, thank you very much, and uh, great to hear from you and get updated because, you know, it's uh, – one thing I love about Cameron is Cameron puts it all out there. They're, like, he, he's not just uh, uh, somebody that comes on and asks a question. I mean, he's, like, fully invested, and he wants to – let you know what he's doing and um, what he's thinking and and all that. And that's great. That's great. So, welcome back, Cameron. I appreciate it. The biggest problem, keeping the puck out of the net. You know, same as last year. Same as what we talked about on this show last week and the week before. And the um, the results as far as playing a, a more stiffer team defense has not shown itself yet. Four goals against Carolina, five against Tampa, five against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, So I think uh, the biggest problem is defense, and I think uh, running a close second and maybe even in a tie is self-inflicted wounds. Bad decision-making at bad times. Turnovers. Uh, I mean, you look at – I can give you a couple of examples right now, right off the top of my head. I can give you one from every game. Look at the Carolina game. You have a 1-0 lead. Jack Roslevic turns the puck over to Seth Jarvis. Right in front of the Blue Jackets net, Jarvis scores. Creates momentum in a sold-out building for a team that, you know, the Blue Jackets were right there with at that point in time. Bad mistake. Self-inflicted. Gives them life. They go on. They win the game. Look at the Tampa game. The biggest thing about the Tampa game was nobody took care of the middle of the ice. There were guys standing in between the circles and down about a foot atop the crease, standing by themselves. One of those guys is Steven Stamkos. He doesn't miss very often from that area. He didn't miss in that game. You could look at that game and say, well, there were two pucks that the defensemen actually put in to their own net. Yes, that, that's true. Those are, those are bad breaks, but when guys are just allowed to stand in a prime shooting area, that's a problem. And then you go to the game on Saturday in St. Louis. I mean, they come back, they tie the Blues, they're playing them really well. And all of a sudden, you turn it over in the neutral zone. It creates a four-on-two rush in a 2-2 game that you're playing with good structure to that point on the road. And all of a sudden, you make that one mistake. They come down the ice, and they score. It's 3-2. And then there's another one sto- scored quickly after that. And now it's pretty much out of reach. Self-inflicted. So, team defense and individual mistakes at inopportune times. Those are the two things that have been a big problem, the biggest problems, in my opinion, through the first two or first three games, sorry, of this regular season. Let's go to Twitter Spaces where Paul is patiently waiting. Paul, welcome to the show. Hey Bob, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good.
3: So I, I try to be as hopeful as any Jackets fan there is. I always try to find the positive things, but I got to admit, I'm a little discouraged after those three games that we saw. And I'm not discouraged for the fact, you know, they're 0-3 or we lost Patty or any of that nonsense. I, I don't recognize this team right now. And I say that in the sense that for as long as I've seen the Jackets, they've played with an attitude – and, like, just this never-say-die attitude. You know, we might be, they might be outgunned. They might not have the best players on the ice. They might be overmatched. But the other team was going to know they were in a fight against the Jackets. And these last, these first three games, boy, I didn't see that. And that might be a, maybe I'm just not seeing what, you know, maybe I'm looking at it differently than other people. I didn't see that team. That never say die team, you know. Last year saw it a bunch, and it led to a lot of, you know, third period comebacks and a lot of great times and good memories. But didn't see it, didn't see it for the first games. I, don't, I won't say they rolled over, but it kind of felt like that a little bit. Wanted to get see if you had that similar sense and got that from the first three games.
1: Well, the first three weren't totally without it. I, I think it was. I think it was there – I don't think it was there in the home game, quite honestly, which I don't understand. Like, if you were to say to me, hey, uh, there were three games, uh, which one do you think that had the least compete level in it? I would never pick the home opener, but that was true. That's the way it worked out. Um, but I saw it in spurts in Carolina, saw it in spurts in St. Louis. But, in all fairness, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, last year you never felt like you were out of a game. And again, these are three great opponents. I, you know, that's that is fair to say. It's it's not an excuse. They are, but on the same token, yeah, you could just see uh, it. It's almost as though, and this is not uncommon, I guess, early in the year. It's like they're searching for themselves, right? Don't you get that feeling? Oh, absolutely. It's it's. There's a little bit.
3: They're just. It looked completely different. I think it was in the third period in St. Louis. There was one time where it was five-on-five five play. It was later in the period, but it looked like they were playing penalty-kill defense. They were just kind of crowded in the middle of the ice, and the Blues were passing it around. Now, granted, it led to a scoring chance for Eric Robinson, but he learned from Josh Anderson, you know, missed the net on those breakaways, <laughs> um, you know,
1: but it was just, it was weird. Well I, well, I think part of that comes down to the night before where they didn't take care of the middle of the ice and then you get a team like St. Louis you know they're going to go to the front of the net and so you know they're trying to they're trying to take that away and then i, I don't know it's a, it's head scratching i mean i i understand where you are i'm i'm confused too i mean they were um we all expected a better start and, and and even if it came without wins and thank you paul i appreciate you being on today um even if it came without wins if you saw what you were just talking about then maybe it's a little bit well, it's not going to be easy to swallow, but, you know, you can at least say, well, I, I see the I saw the the makings of what it's going to be and and I don't know that that we saw that in those three games. And so listen, Patrick liney's injury is big. It's really big on this team. I think it's big for a couple of reasons. Number one, he is arguably your best player. He's your best shooter. There's no doubt about that. And you finally had, for the first time ever, him and Johnny Goudreau, and you had a couple of weapons on the same line that were dangerous to go out there and and get you at any point in time when they were on the ice together. And you had it for not even half a game, and it was gone. And now you're struggling to figure out who's going to play there. Justin Danforth gets a chance. Gus Nyquist gets a chance. Who the heck gets a chance tomorrow? I don't know. We'll see. But um, that that makes a difference, but it shouldn't make all of the difference, um, because last year this team had to play for a big stretch without Patrick Line because of an injury, and and they were able to do so uh, better. But I you know I think it's I think it's fair to say it's a psychological blow too because you know we spend months talking about Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Liney, Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line, Patrick Line, Johnny Gaudreau, and and you don't even have it now and you're trying to figure it out as you go. There's nobody of his caliber on that roster. It's just not. So you got to figure it out. And as they're trying to figure it out, they're sputtering there. And then, and, you know, if one guy doesn't work out, now you're putting another guy there, and you're changing this line, changing that line, and you're not having the consistency. So it is a factor. Do they have to get over it? Yeah, they do. They're, they're not going to have him for three to four weeks. So you can't sulk. You can't pout. You, you just got to go to work and figure it out. But it is uh, it is a factor, no doubt. Donald, you're next up. Welcome to CBJ and 30. Hey, thanks, Bob. It's been a while. It's
4: always great to hear
1: Cameron's voice. I mean, your voice. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you hey. what, what do you think? I'm doing an impersonation there? Nah, nah, no, just nah. kidding. K-
4: K- Cameron's an old friend of the show. We all love Cameron, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Columbus, Ohio fans—we kind of are spoiled with the Buckeye football stuff going on. Thank you, and then we, Thank and then you, you know, like we're, we're used to the excellence there, and a lot of people are freaking out. People need to step back from that ledge, and I think the informed hockey crowd in in the fandom—and I'm not even in Ohio anymore—but I think we know to be patient with this, especially with the line A injury. Um, but at what point do we go from okay? Give them time. Give them time. To get that chemistry. To, uh, oh crap! We need to worry. Like, what? What would be the red flag to you as our educated host? <laughs> what, what? What? What would go wrong where you're like, oh crap, something is going to have to change. Like Yarmo is going to have to stop being patient and kind of make an executive decision here. So, what, what? What's that point for you?
1: Uh well, you you just changed. I had an answer, and then you you kind of up the ante there a little bit. Uh, what, here? Well, here's what I was going to say originally, okay? I'm looking at uh, Vancouver tomorrow. They're playing in Washington tonight, and then they come here to play tomorrow. When you look at the four teams in the first four games, this one is the most winnable on paper, right? I think that's mm-hmm. fair to say. So I was going to say to you, well, if it didn't happen tomorrow night, then I would, I would be much more concerned. But then you said about, taking it to the point where you have to think about making fundamental changes. And I know what you're alluding to here. I don't think it's to that point yet, but let's just be completely upfront and honest about it. If everything got away from you this week and and you lost to Vancouver and you lost to Nashville and you lost to Pittsburgh and then you had to go into New York and I mean, my point is it could get uh, terribly concerning extremely fast, right? Snowball, yeah, yeah. Yeah, snowball. You're absolutely right. Because you just look at those teams. And like I said, Vancouver, you know, you hope to take advantage of them because they're playing tonight and then they have to travel in here. Um, You know, Nashville, they started off in Prague. So, they're kind of in that little, you know, they're returning to North America and I'm sure they're getting readjusted. But, you know, they just, they didn't play well over the weekend and they got called out for it. So, you know, they're going to be hungry when they come in. Um, Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. I I've yep. talked about this. You keep waiting for them to age out. They're not. I, they just destroyed Tampa the other night. Um, so you've got that. And then the Rangers are, you know, predicted to win the division. So, yeah, it could snowball in a hurry. So if um, I, I think tomorrow night's game is, I don't know, I almost said pivotal, and I I don't know if that's putting too much stress on it, but I really think that's a game that you have to win tomorrow night. You're at home. You're taking on that team and that situation and you just have to, you have to come out of there with something to show for it. I think or at least an overtime loss, yeah. you know, something to show that fight, you know, something, something. Yeah. And, and and you're right. What you said about football and I, you know, it's, it's funny cause I, I feel like sometimes if I come on a show like this and I start making that comparison, it looks like I'm whining or whatever, but you know, facts are facts. Yep. Uh, you know you're used to that schedule being if it if it's not 12 and 0 something's wrong right mm-hmm. but in the meantime the carolina hurricanes the tampa bay lightning the st louis blues are not arkansas state and they're not wisconsin and and they're not you know and, 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 and the game's not over in the first intermission like it's over at halftime you know what i mean so Absolutely. you're right and that and that's that's the thing is if, if the casual fans are so – look, you're spoiled in this town. You really are. You're spoiled. And you want to get to that point. You know, you want to be winning. You want to be on a three-game winning streak at the beginning of the season. But everybody's evenly matched, and um, and you're facing some issues, so it is what it is. But anyway, Donald, you make uh, great valid points. And, and I say that – I'm not saying that if you lose tomorrow, then all of a sudden you have to start talking about making some major changes. I, but I am saying that um, you better be on it tomorrow you yeah. got to be. You know I don't I don't think they have a choice. I really don't think they have a choice. You got to be on your game tomorrow. You have to you have to figure out how to make it work and you have to take advantage of a team that's in a back-to-back situation. Just simple as that. Fair enough. Uh, absolutely, Bob. Thanks a lot. Donald, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Good good insight. I do like that. I like that uh, great back and forth. If you want to have some and you're with me on Twitter Spaces today. Just request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up, and uh, we can converse, just like Donald and I did right there. Now, of course, that what he was talking about with changes. Well, that's that, that's going to come up. You go 0 3, and you're you know you're talking about these great things, and then you you don't get off to a fantastic start. I know that's going to happen, so we'll just uh, deal with it. Let me go to uh, Twitter and see what I've gotten there. Andy McLean says, is the start more missing Patrick Line or are there just some growing pains of a young team with a tough beginning schedule? Thought the effort in St. Louis, the first two periods, was much better than the home opener. Well, that's that's for sure. I I still can't believe that the effort in the home opener was what it was. I, I can't believe there wasn't more push on that. That was really disappointing. Really, really was. I mean, you're, you know, you're, coming home, Johnny's making his debut in the building. It's packed to the rafters. Uh, everybody's out front for the blue carpet and I mean there were a lot of people out there. And it was great to see that back in in its normalcy for the first time in 3 years. And everything was going your way. Johnny gets the first goal of the game and it's looking like a great night. And then it's not a great night at all. So that that was that was surprising. I talked about, I addressed the line A thing. I I mean, that's part of it, but, you know, it's not like he's missing one or two games. So figure it out. And the growing pains of a young team, there are so many guys here that were here last year, and this team is not the the youngest in the league anymore. It's not much older, but it is a little bit older, and the guys have more experience. So um, the growing pains should be less than they have been before now here we go with nick nick says i think it's time to change two of the members of the coaching staff the conditioning coach they're looking exhausted in the third period for the third or fourth season in a row something clearly isn't working and next on the chopping block should be the goaltending coach well nick um Last year, this team had more come-from-behind victories than it ever did in its existence. So I don't know why you're talking about the, the conditioning in the third period the last couple of years. I don't I don't see it like that. I haven't even seen this like that. What I saw in the third period in Game 1 was the Carolina Hurricanes finally cranking up their game and taking over. What I saw in the third period of Game 2 was what I saw throughout game two that I was just talking about, the, the lack of compete all the way through. And what I saw in game three was a really good third period up until the moment there was a turnover in the neutral zone that created a four-on-two rush that broke a 2-2 two, two tie. Now, I don't know what that has to do with conditioning. That has to do with decision-making and making a bad pass that turns the momentum of the game with that. OK, so so I'm not I'm not in agreement with you on that. And on the goaltending front, if you just looked at the goaltending numbers or no, I take this back. If you just looked at the score of the games and said four, five, five and the goals against. Well, the goaltending must be terrible. No, it's not. No, it's not. Daniil Tarasov actually has some great numbers. And he's own two, having given up five goals and four goals. You know the um, the goaltending coach works with the goaltenders on their positioning and uh, their technique. There is more to goaltending than the goaltender. If the guys around, if if the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning is going to have a guy standing at the top of the crease the entire game that's going to be able to get passes and bang them right by you, what does that have to do with the goaltending coach? It doesn't have anything to do with it. I'll answer the question for you. It has nothing to do with it. So this isn't like you know and and this is where I think it goes back to we were just talking about that spoiled thing there. You know the defensive coordinator must go, and then the defensive coordinator goes, and then the defense is supposedly better. And I say supposedly because you know where's give me a give me a real opponent. but anyway, it it's better, but it's this neither one of these things would make a difference, Nick. Neither one of these things is – both of these things are fine, quite honestly. Both of them are fine. Brian says, my understanding is that the Blue Jackets are implementing a new defensive scheme. While it's never fun to struggle, what do you think the end results will be with the new system? Brian, the guys I talk to, they understand the changes that are being made, and they are adjusting to it. Here's the thing. It is a defensive system. It's not that the defensemen are doing things differently and they are the only ones. This is everybody. This is uh, a complete five-man-on-the-ice unit defensive change. And basically, they used to play a man-on-man defense, and now they don't want those defensemen running around all over the ice and getting out to the point. So now it's more of a zone, and uh, it's kind of a – it's a hybrid, if you will. It's, it's, it's a hybrid between a man-to-man and a zone, which means you've got a man, but as soon as he gets out of a certain area, then the responsibilities change. So the wingers have to really be bought in, and they have to be on the right page because if they're not, then the guy's going to get free. And there's got to be a lot of communication. Here are the two most important things about the way they're playing the system now, okay? You have to have the correct read, and you have to be communicating because if those two things are going bad, then the whole thing's going to go bad, and they're adjusting to that, and they're adjusting to it against three of the top teams in the league in the first three games. Again, I'm not making an excuse. I'm not. They've got to learn to play it. They've got to learn to do it, but they've had to do it at super high speed the first three games. It's the way it is. You know, baptism by fire, whatever. But it is a change, and I think I, I think if you look at the games, at times they're on it, and then at times maybe it breaks down. And then when it breaks down, it, it's bad. And then somebody wants a new goaltending coach because the defensive system broke down. So um, they've got to get adjusted to it. And it's unfair because you don't have time to wade into the schedule. The schedule is on you, and the top teams in the league are playing against you, and You've just got to figure it out. Just have to. Uh, let me see. B. Stacy says, "I think we expected that the first few games were likely not going to be wins, so not factoring in being0 and three. Do you feel they have over or underperformed offensively, separately, defensively? And why? Well I think we've talked about it. You know, offensively, they've only gotten a couple of goals in each game, so that needs to come up. Um, part of the reason, the faceoffs continue to be a problem outside of Boone Jenner, getting puck possession to start a shift. Uh, they need to do a better job of. They need to do better when they get a power play. Of course, that power play. When If you want to say to me, uh, you know, where does Patrick Liney's absence hurt you the most, it's on the power play. No doubt about that. Um, but they've got to score more on the power play. Defensively, we just went over all of that. So I've just told you why. Kyle says 0-3 against Carolina, Tampa, and St. Louis is expected. I don't know. Kyle, I wouldn't say expected. I mean, you could see if it happened, but you're not going into that saying, oh, we're going to be 0-3 by the weekend. No, 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 no. You expect to steal one or two or three of those games. Uh, So it's not expected. The expectations are higher than that. But anyway, Kyle says giving up the same bad goals and having the same sloppy possession play isn't expected. Team hasn't improved its play. In fact, it looks worse. It's still early, but surely Yarmo and Brad Larson must have some concern. Yeah, I'm sure they have concern. I'm sure they have concern. There's no, nobody wants to be 0 3. And you know, Brad Larson. I thought on Friday after the home opener, I thought the uh, press conference that he gave after that was um, that was some of the most. Uh, I thought he was mad. I thought he was mad. That he came across as though he was he was mad. It was beyond disappointed. There's just higher expectations. I asked him about that on Saturday before the game because I was listening to him and I thought, man, last year I don't know that I ever heard him with this tone. The tone was always, you know, we're a young team, we're learning because the expectations were low overall. No matter what they said, they had the, the players had their own expectations, but you know, the expectations from the management, and the coaching staff was, you know, we're going to we're going to grow this and whatever it takes, and there are going to be some nights that are good and some nights that are bad, and and we're going to get through it and. Now it's like, no, 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 we're better than that. And that was unacceptable. so we've we've got to play better next time. So I um, I think that uh, I know they're concerned. there's There's no question that they're concerned. Ah, uh, the good Reverend Rodriguez says, I've asked before about how much impact coaches have on a team, and you said it was essentially coaching boils down to motivation. Play this season has been pretty lackluster. And the team seems easy to discourage on the ice. Does the lack of success primarily fall on Larson? Well, it's it is about motivation. But on the other hand, um, a pro athlete should be motivated when he shows up, right? I, that's that's what you're getting paid for. You your motivation should be within yourself, number one. Um, but as far as the uh, as far as the other stuff. You can design a system, you can set up plays as a coach, but you're not executing them. You have your players have to go do it, and when they do it and it works, you look like a genius. And when they don't do it and it doesn't work, you look like a fool. And you know, he Brad Larson's not playing the game. Brad Larson is, and he is motivated. He's talking to guys individually. He's trying to to get uh, their heads on right. It's just, it's alarming. It's alarming to you and I because it's 0 3. And now for me to say it's not as bad as we're making it out to be might sound ridiculous. But that being said, um I, I just told you about the the level of competition that uh that they faced to get it going. And, and you know, there's there's gonna be bumps in the road. You hate having them early and, and you hate being 0-3. Nobody likes it. Nobody at all likes it. There's nobody sitting here saying, oh, man, uh, 0-3, but uh, that's great. No, it's not great. We all know that. We all know it's not great. If you want to be on the show, all you have to do, if you're with me uh, live on Twitter Spaces here this afternoon, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and uh, you can jump on and ask your question live. Don't be afraid. There's – no such thing as a dumb question? Yes, there is, but I'm sure you won't ask it. <laughs> I love when people say that. They go, there's there's never, like teachers say it, right? There's no such thing as a dumb question. You stand in a group of reporters and listen to some of the questions and then tell me there's no such thing as a dumb question. I will guarantee you I've asked a dumb question. Guaranteed. Now, not intentionally, really. There, there have been questions that I've started to ask and then they've gone completely off the rails because I lost my train of thought or, or I thought I knew what I was going to talk about or and then, and then I didn't. Look, I've asked dumb questions. There are dumb questions, but there there's not one that's going to come from you today. So just, just request to be on the show and ask me your question. I'll make you a deal. I'll tell you if it's a dumb question. No, I'm just kidding. I know you're not going to do it. Hey, here's an email I got... Uh, from Lauren, Lauren from Florida says, Like so many Blue Jackets fans, I've really enjoyed your shows over the past few weeks, and the buildup for the season has been very exciting. My concern is that despite having acquired and developed amazing talent, the same mistakes from years past are still being made. We play the first 10 to 20 minutes like our lives depend on it and then start to lose control of the game. With John Tortorella, we were all defense and lacked offense. With Brad Larson, we're all offense and no defense. And we always seem to let our fantastic goaltenders down with how we play in front of them. Do we need to pick up another defenseman, or can the team we have make the right adjustments to meet the expectations this fan base has set for them? Well, you know, it's funny when you, when you break that down and say with torts it was all defense. There was a reason for that. The reason for it was that's where your strength was. Without question. You had David Savard. And you had Seth Jones. You had Zach Wierenski and Vladislav Gavrikov. And even before that, if you go back to, you know, when Jack Johnson and David Savard were a shutdown pair, the defense was the strength. The offense, they had to work a lot harder. Now, as you just said, last year the offense seemed like it came fairly easy. But the defense wasn't the same. Yeah, it wasn't the same because you lost your biggest body and your biggest shot blocker in David Savard, and you lost that big-bodied Seth Jones who paired with Zach Warensky that let Zach just engage offensively and take off whenever he wanted to, and Seth was always back there as a safety valve. It changed. It just changed. And that's the defense is going through that. They're still going through it. I mean, there's uh, – you look at uh, – you look at the six guys that have played the first three games. And it's, you know, it doesn't appear that the Boquist-Warenski pairing is working out. Well, not how they planned it. Not how they planned it at all. Uh, they've struggled, but they've all struggled. I mean, even Peek and Gavrikov, they've played together before, but, you know, you, you talk to them both and they're like, yeah, we're we're still making some adjustments. And I guess it would be easy to take Andrew Peak and throw him back up there with Zach Borenski. But, you know, we talked about that all during the summer. That, that worked last year for long stretches. Is it ideal? Is Andrew Peak a, a top-pair defenseman? Or are you better if he's playing down in the lineup? Uh, the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> That's what the answer is right now, because without any what looks to be a better option, uh, maybe you are better with him up there. But, it, again, these are the things they have to figure out. And these are the things that you can only do so much in training camp. you you got to figure it out in games. you got to figure out – you're going to see the true character in the game. See, the preseason games, this is what's so frustrating about them, right? Like, you have a good preseason, you come out of it, and you're like, oh, you're ready to go. This team is ready to go. And it's not even close to being the same. I don't care that you played Washington with an NHL lineup in the last game of the preseason. It's still not the same. The energy, the compete level, it's it, it's not what it is in the regular season. So a lot of these things, the only way you can figure it out is by playing the real games and evaluating and adjusting from there. Really simple. But... What happens tomorrow? Do they do they make changes? Like do they uh, do they take somebody out of the lineup? Do they put somebody else back in? Um, you know Blankenberg hasn't played yet. Foodie hasn't played yet. Uh, do you mix guys? Do you mix guys up? Like in practice today, it really looked like uh, Nick Blankenberg is practicing as though he's going to play in the game tomorrow. And if he does, are you surprised? No. Who does he go in for? You know, that one could be a surprise, I guess. But he was skating today looking like he's going to play tomorrow. And as I said, he hasn't played yet. So he hasn't played yet, and the defense has had its problems. So or even if you take somebody out, and if you take somebody out, it's not going to be Zach. It's not going to be Gavrikov. It's not going to be Peak. So it could be the other half of the six, any of those other guys could come out in favor of him. So um, it wouldn't be a surprise, but you gotta do, you got to do something. you got to try something. Or if you want to try something is what I really should say. If you want to try something and see if it's going to create any kind of a spark or change something, tomorrow's probably a good day to do it. So we'll see if uh, Nick Blankenberg draws in tomorrow. Tommy K., has this question for me. How do you see the European trip affecting the team? Of course, it depends what the record is going into Finland, but I think it can be good for them. Big question. Will Patrick Line make it on the ice in his hometown? I hope so. Four-point trip and team can be reborn coming back home. Well, that is true. Now, let's not forget that there's quite a few games between now and then, right? I mean... Those kind of trips can go either way. Um, but you still have the the daunting task this week. Vancouver, Nashville, Pittsburgh, all at home. Then to New York to play the Rangers. Then next week you have Arizona. That seems like it could be a nice little lift on the schedule. But then at the end of the week, you got to play Boston. Before going to New Jersey, every time I say New Jersey, I have like seven comments that I want to make, and I, and I want them to, I, I got to shut them off because it's too early it's too early I got to shut them off but you got to go play New Jersey right before departing for Finland so let's see one two three four five six seven games before you even go to Finland so that's that's more important than the Finland trip and oh by the way don't forget you're playing the defending Stanley Cup champions in Finland you're not playing um, the Arizona coyotes there you're playing the Colorado Avalanche so it'll be nice to get four points really nice Um I think the trip can be good for them, yes. It's going to be a good bonding experience. Um, I would imagine Patrick Liney is going to try to do everything he can to be healthy and back in the lineup by the time that trip is taken. I would be if I was going to my hometown and play. Especially, no, if I was going to my hometown, not a big deal, right? It's four hours away. For him, it's a really big deal. You're going to Finland, and you're going to play for an NHL team in your hometown. That's a really big deal. So I will guarantee that he is going to do everything he can to be able to play in those games. Is that going to be enough? I can't tell you right now. But I guarantee he's going to do everything that he can to be ready to play in those games. I think the uh, the consequence of the trip comes on the other side of it, even though there's like four or five days without a game to get reacclimated to North America. You know, I've seen teams do this um, – Remember, the last time we went over there, we went to Sweden, and it was at the end of the preseason, and the first two games of the regular season were there. And that seemed to be, you know, that seemed to be better, easier. I don't know. Of course, we've never done this, so maybe I'm just full of it. Uh, we you never done this where you played X amount of games and then, you know, play 10 games and then go over and then come back again. But I think if there's uh, if there's any fallout from it, I would expect it to be, on the back end of it. I but I think the trip itself, yes, I, I agree with you. I think it's uh I think it has a lot of positives and um, I think it can be good for for the team, for sure. Jacket Bill says, do other teams use this hybrid man to man slash zone defense? Seems to me it requires too much split second decisions and communication to work effectively, especially for a younger team. Why and who decided to go this route? Well the coaches decided to go this route, and the reason why is because of what I told you before, they don't want their defensemen chasing guys all over the ice. They want to keep them more in a certain area, because if you're chasing guys all night, then two things. Number one, you can get out of position. Number two, you're going to be really tired by the third period. Maybe that's why that uh, was that Nick earlier? Maybe that was maybe that's what Nick was seeing in those last couple of seasons with the man-to-man. Maybe they look tired with the man-to-man. But they're just trying to They're trying to simplify it. They're trying to simplify the play, but it is requiring more thought and communication, right? Do other teams play it? I'm sure they do. It's copycat league. It doesn't seem like anybody has an original idea anymore, and even if somebody comes up with an idea that's somewhat original, it's still based off what somebody else has done just with a tweak. So uh, I'm sure other teams are doing – Either the same thing or something similar, but um, but you know what I, I also don't think I don't think you can just look at it and say, "Well, these guys are young so they can't do this. Young doesn't mean stupid, always, sometimes. But you know, young also means, to me, in this case, like learn to play like this, learn to to do this system. It's going to be much better when you do. And you know the saying, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. But um, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with them making the change. I don't because they are smart. Um, one thing I was told by one of the coaches is that it it really it really takes a lot of cohesion between the players. Which, if that is the case. I think that this is a good group to do it with because there is cohesion between these players. I know we talk about it, and, and I don't try to talk about it too much because it's, you know, especially when you're losing because uh, nobody cares. But when I tell you that this group likes each other, when I tell you that they get along well, when I tell you that the chemistry is good, again, at 0-3, you'll say to me, I don't care how well they get along, win a game. And you'd be right. You're fine. That's I would totally be okay with you saying that. No doubt. But, you know, if you have a bunch of players that are that are not on the same page, and I'm talking about on and off the ice, like especially off the ice, when you're playing with your friends, okay, let's just say this. If you go into your workplace, whatever it is, whatever you do, I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter to me. We're talking about atmosphere and camaraderie. If you go into your workplace and you, for the most part, like everybody that's there. Um, and Maybe you don't like everybody because that's really pushing it. But maybe even the people that you don't like you can still work with and get along with. All right? Let's put it that way. In that situation, if something comes up, if you're given an assignment or a task as a group, and you, you get along well, you like each other, uh, maybe, you, maybe you hang out after work, uh, a number of you, whatever, when you get that task and you've got to work together on it, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to do a good job on that task, right? Because you already have the relationships that put that into place. Now, if you go into a place where you don't like anybody else, they don't like you, Maybe you have one person you like, but everybody else, they can go pound sand. You don't care. And they feel the same way about you. If they have to work with you, they have to work with you. They don't want to. They have to. Now, in that environment, if you're given a task, what are the chances that the task is going to be done really well? I would say probably not. I would say you probably, uh, I don't know if somebody's going to get fired, but you're probably all going to get in trouble. Right? It's the same thing. like. Is this difficult, and is it challenging? Maybe it is. Or maybe it's not, and they're making it too hard by overthinking it. Either way, it doesn't matter. The relationship they have with one another should allow them to get through this and learn it and communicate and be better for it on the other side. And like I said before, you've got to do it against three of the top teams in the league, arguably, right? I mean, look at last year's schedule. Can we be honest here? Last year, Arizona-Seattle, those were your first two games. And I know you had to go to overtime to beat Seattle. I know, but take that. Still won the game. And then you had Detroit, which that one got away from them. But I'm just saying, Carolina, Tampa, St. Louis, you're trying to make your adjustments, and you're trying to compensate for the loss of Patrick Linea playing within that. It's not easy. Do you still have to steal one of those games you do? Did you? No, you didn't. So, I'm not condoning it. I'm just I'm just telling you. I'm just just giving me my honest opinion on it. Simple as that. But, you know, again, young is not stupid. Just because they're young doesn't mean they can't learn something that's going to make them better players down the line on the mailbag edition of CBJ in 30 live on Twitter Spaces right now. Erwin would like to join the show. Hello, Irwin. How are you today, Bob? I'm doing well. How about you?
0: First of all, I'd like to say thanks for taking time out from your schedule, not only to do this show, but to do the Inside Edge. They're informative, they're entertaining, and I thoroughly enjoy your efforts.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'll pass that along to Jody Shelley because, um, you know, it's um, – it is our schedule. We're not taking time out. I mean, this—it's what we do, and we enjoy doing it. But uh, uh, yeah, there are some right. days, like any work, right, Erwin? There are some days where you're like, "Oh, I got to do this other thing," and then, um, and then you sit down and you do it. And whether it's talking to you or whether it's talking to the players and, and having those conversations, you—we always walk away from all of these shows saying, "That was great." It's never a waste of time. I will honestly tell you that. So thank you. Yeah. I wanted to say, you know, some of our
0: fans are in a bit of a, a panic. And I think it's because of unrealistic expectations, but I was at nationwide arena for the last game 17 months ago. And I remember what a mess that team was. And they closed out that season. I think they went like five, 19 and five, in their last 29 games. It was bad. And they were cleaning up a bad situation. And last year, I think they overachieved in a lot of ways. They won their first nine overtime games. I mean, a lot of things went right. But I still feel that there's the, uh, the lack of an elite center there. They have to get better defensively. I mean, just going out and signing Johnny Gaudreau does not auto- automatically make you a playoff contender or a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, we went 7-23-1 against the top nine teams in the East last year. That's the eight playoff teams plus the Islanders. And ironically, that's the same record the Montreal Canadiens had against those teams. So I think when I look at success for this team and progress, the first thing I think they need to figure out is how they're going to play with the big boys.
1: You ever thought about hosting a show like this, Erwin? Uh, you know, <laughs> if I did,
0: I, if if I did, I'd be canceled two weeks
1: in. <laughs> Well, that, that's, yeah, there is that. But uh, what I'm saying to you is uh, kudos to you. I mean, you just you broke that down perfectly, quite honestly. Yeah. Then then another thing that I looked at this year, that even if they
0: are in playoff contention, you need to take a better look at the back end of the schedule. They have an afternoon game with Edmonton on it. I think it's on a Sunday on February 25th. And they got to fly out right after that game, go to Minnesota and play in the afternoon the next day. And then over the next 35 days, they've got 12 of 15 on the road, and that includes a West Coast trip. So I figured it. even if they were in playoff contention, that's going to be a rough thing to overcome. So, you know, I, I'm looking at progress. I say they got to play better against the teams on the East, and they got to show that they can go out on the road, especially on the West Coast where it was a disaster at the end of the season. They lost all three games and established that they can go out there and be a force and not just come home, you know, with a, one point or two points, but be more of a four five, six point team when they go out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. When you're, you're looking at the, at the big picture right now, you're not looking at the the three games or four games looking going into tomorrow night. And, and you're right about that because it's a very uh, heavily home laden schedule early. And there are reasons for that. The building's not available a lot in the month of uh, March. So they're going to be road warriors at the end. um, yeah, it's uh, all everything that you said is is absolutely right, and especially just adding Johnny Gaudreau doesn't guarantee you that you punch your ticket to the playoffs. It, it doesn't, and you're right about that. And the defense has to get better on this team, and it, it has to get better from within. And if it's not going to get better from within, then it's got to be addressed. Um, the center position, you're right. Look, nobody's talking a lot about Jack Roslovic here. And I didn't think he was bad in St. Louis. As a matter of fact, I thought he had a couple of chances and, and the puck bounced on him and he, he really didn't get a shot in either one of them. But, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show the turnover that he had in Carolina was egregious. Um, you know, other than Boone Jenner and, and winning his faceoffs, when you look down the middle, you know, you're still, well, Corrales always solid. But, uh, you know, Rossovic has had his struggles. Uh, Cole Sillinger's just in his second year in the NHL. He's he's doing a good job. But, yeah, you're right on all your points. Yeah,
0: I liken the the addition of Gaudreau to somebody giving you the gift of a car, a brand-new Ferrari in your driveway, and you go out to drive it and you find out it doesn't have a steering wheel. I mean, there's still parts that need to be added here. And the center thing is the thing that intrigues me the most. I know there's a couple of prominent free agents this year. You got Dylan Larkin who could be free. You got Jonathan Taves who, although he's old, he's a 60% beast in the face off circle. And you know, whether it's done through free agency or it's somebody that they develop or, you know, even if they miss the playoffs this year and they fall in that Connor Bedard lottery and win it, you're not going to have to give me a hug because I'm going to be upset over that.
1: (laughs) That's a great point. You know, and that's what I've told people all summer, you know, when they ask me, are the Blue Jackets going to be better? The answer is yes. And I'm you're 0-3 right now, so people are rolling their eyes. But, yeah, they're going to be better, but I didn't promise anybody they were going to make the playoffs either because they're, as you put it at the beginning, there's still a, a realistic point of view here. Do I think they could make the playoffs? Absolutely. Do I hope they're going to make the playoffs? You know it. But um, but there are, there, are still, there are still pieces to fix here, and, uh, and, you know, that defense that we're talking about, too, they've addressed it heavily in the draft. And those guys are going to be ready at some point, but but they're not ready yet. So maybe the maybe the solutions are a little bit further down the road than we might like to think that they are. You know, Erwin. Yeah. I'll just give this comment. I think more in terms of baby
0: steps. Yeah. I'm a full-season ticket holder. I go to every single game. If I see that they're entertaining to watch, that they're competitive every single night, and that I see that they're making progress. They're playing better against the powers of the East and and things like that. I'm going to feel pretty good about this season. If they could even make the playoffs, that would be a bonus. But I still see the road that we're on as being a bit longer than what some people realize. It's it's, it's like when you take a six-year-old kid on vacation, and he sits in the back seat, and all the way there, he keeps saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We just need to be patient about this
1: thing, I think. I should really just end the show after this because you've you've put it all in great perspective. And I really appreciate it. I, I really do. Thanks for being uh thanks for being a realist and uh for for spelling it out and even more importantly for for being that season ticket holder that's there and, and looking for that progress and I do think that's progress that you're gonna see as we go through. Uh, thank you, Bob. Erwin, thank you. Really appreciate it. That's a tough one to follow. That is tough to follow. That was really good. But I'm gonna give somebody a chance to follow it. I certainly am. And I'll tell you who I'm going to give a chance to follow that. I'm going to give Todd the opportunity to follow that up. Hello, Todd.
5: Hey, Bob. Thanks for putting this on and taking some questions from everybody. Sure. Um, You know, I know it's early in the season, um, and I'm not down as much as a lot of people are that you see out there. But the same thing, When when you're seeing them trying to implement a new system, um, you know, these guys, while I understand they're young, they've been playing hockey the majority of their lives. And the coaching staff can't be reinventing the wheel here. I know it's a hybrid uh, man in zone system, but they look completely lost. You know, there's an instant panic the moment that they get hemmed in their zone. Uh, You got the defense is looking up where I would assume a winger is supposed to drop down and help out and he sees that he's not there. So he'll shift into man immediately, and then it just they can never get out of their zone. And I don't know – I guess my cause for concern is, again, the coaching staff's not reinventing the wheel. These guys have all played zone at some point. They've all played man. Um, they just look lost. And I, I don't – I don't know. I don't know that that's something that can be fixed mid-season with who they have out there right now.
1: Well, I – It's going to have to be. Again, I I think some of that is – and you're right what you said because the players have said that too. The the players have said, like, listen, this isn't really different from things that we've done before. We've done this, you know, at some point. At some point in their lives, like you just said. That's all fair. Um, I just – I guess what my hope is, Todd, is it was happening at such a higher rate of speed against the three teams that they were just playing against that it, it just has to continue to be adjusted. Um but you're right, when you look up and somebody's not where he's supposed to be and there is a panic when you've got the Carolina Hurricanes crashing down on you and you've got the the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning who's won two of the last three Stanley Cups and, and you've got the, the big bully St. Louis Blues in their building coming down on you, you're right on all counts. Um, and if there's that sense of panic and if you react to the panic, then you get what you get. I think it can be adjusted. I do. I, I don't think look you're three games into it against those three opponents, I think that the adjustments can be made and that they can get better. And I'm not telling you that you know, that uh eventually it's not going to have to be addressed with different players, whether it's those guys, those draft pick guys coming up or whether it's in a trade somewhere along the line in season, uh off season, whatever. I'm not I'm not saying that 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 the six or seven that are here are going to be the, the ones that are Absolutely positively going to fix it, but I do think they're going to get better at it. I do think they're going to adjust to it and I think that they're overthinking it. Um you know, they they just need, as you just said, just play hockey. Just relax and play hockey. It sounds so simple, but uh you know, sometimes sometimes the, the simple things in life become much more complex when our brains get in the way, don't they? Happens a lot. Happens to the best of us. Happens to the best of us. That's what I say. So the Blue Jackets are back on home ice tomorrow. They're going to be taking on the Vancouver Canucks. As I mentioned uh, earlier, the Vancouver Canucks have a game tonight in Washington against the Capitals. And then they will head here for the game tomorrow night. And I, I still think there's a lot of emphasis on this game. Because it is a winnable game on paper. You have to transfer it from paper to reality. Vancouver comes into tonight's game with uh, an 0-2 record so far on the year. They could be 0-3 by the time they uh, arrive here tomorrow. I mean, there is something to play for there besides them looking for their first win. It's that uh, Bruce Boudreaux is now coaching the Vancouver Canucks. And, of course, it all started for him in Washington with the Capitals, so I'm sure they'd like to get him a win. And let's just say that they don't get the win tonight. Well, then they too are going to be a desperate team coming into play here tomorrow against the Blue Jackets. It's not easy. It is not easy. Nobody is going to come into the building and say, hey, it's your place. We're not going to play as hard. You go ahead and take the points. It's just not the way it works, not the way it's going to happen. Uh, You've got to go out there and make it happen. You've got to go out there and work for it. And that's what I expect the Blue Jackets to do in the game tomorrow. Um, they really don't have a choice. You, you heard Gus Nyquist, uh, or maybe you heard him, maybe you didn't. He talked after the game. Well, he talked after the home game on Friday, and he said uh, 0-3 is unacceptable. We've got to find a way to win tomorrow night. They didn't. And if 0-3 was not acceptable, you can bet your bottom dollar that 0-4 uh, isn't either. So these veteran guys are going to try to carry him through tomorrow night. Just take a breath, right? They had yesterday off. Practice today. Take a breath. Go to work tomorrow. Just just get it together. <laughs> just get it together. And, and Simple advice, but it's, uh, it's what's got to happen. And it's the start of a big week. Again, the Blue Jackets home tomorrow against Vancouver. They've got uh, Nashville here on Thursday night. Pittsburgh is here on Saturday night. And then right after that game, head to New York to take on the Rangers. All the home games this week get underway at 7 o'clock. So make sure you join us out at uh, Nationwide Arena. Pre-game coverage starts on both the radio network and on Bally Sports Ohio at 6.30 for all of those games as well. Thank you for being here today and, and coming up with the great questions that you did. I understand your frustration. I understand uh, your disappointment. We're all there. We're all, I'm, I'm right there with you. Right there with you on every single bit of it. I understand. I get it. But uh, hopefully we're all going to feel much better after tomorrow night when the Blue Jackets hopefully beat the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, that's that's the idea, right? Show up play hard, win the game. Just like that. See if they can do it tomorrow night. So once again, thanks for joining me on a Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30. Love doing this. Love being able to go back and forth with you. It's awesome. Until next time, this is Bob McElligot saying so long.